RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Welcome back to Consultivation. We are here with a bonus episode, unintended, unplanned, but inspired and ready to seize the day nonetheless. Back with me this afternoon is Mr. Swick, all the way from Colorado in Denver. How are you, Eric? Very good. It's good to be here. And we, we have a surprise visitor, don't we? Uh, you know, we, we're doing these exclusive experiences these days up at Easter Sheen, RLC Global here in Scotland. And I wondered whether, Eric, we should make a, a podcast appearance compulsory. Sure. What do you think? I think it's a good idea. So let's introduce uh, the man uh, who can, Charlie Revett, Chief Technology Officer. I mean, what, is, what even is a Chief Technology Officer? Eric, Charlie, hello. Hi. Great to be here. Thanks for thanks for the invite. Um, one day, one day ago, I don't know if it, yeah, I don't know if it was an invite or if it was a, it was a, a mandatory part of the, uh, the, oh. the stay. But I'm happy to be yeah. there. And then they call it military volunteering. I've never done that. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's like, and actually, we decided last week. We just didn't tell you, um, but I think it's a great way to bring insight to a role, a key role in tech businesses. Mm. The world is full of tech businesses these days. Yep. Um, and maybe let, give us a bit of an insight of what does it mean and, uh, and explain a bit of your story. So, Charlie, what, what do you do for a living then? Well, <laughs> good question. I think uh, it's changed, anyway, it regularly changes, I think, year to year as the business has grown. Um, I've been at Vidsy since the start. I joined around six years ago. Um, and over that period, many hats have been worn. Um, starting off, it was definitely building out the original product and growing the team. And, and since then, it's been many different roles since. And you've worked for a range of brands, haven't you, during your time? So who are some of the other companies that you've worked for? Uh, so early days, I spent some time at IBM. I grew up in Winchester, which is right next to their R&D um kind of campus uh in hersley so that was that was great quite formative years um and then post uni i worked in bbc news for a period of time which was great fun uh large scale and obviously a well-known brand so nice to have that as the first um the first kind of post uni interaction and uh kind of mixing in there i've had some time at some other startups so probably the uh most well-known one is gecko board which do uh dashboards for b2b uh so you've got pretty pretty dashboards in your in your offices um so yeah a few but majority of my time has been spent at vidsy so really so, enjoyed it we're going to talk about uh business transition in a short while and we're also going to talk about fuel gauges and and why we have those both at rlc and why we recommend any leader knowing what they are but you know, what, what does a chief technology officer actually do? Um, well, it's, it's a very varied role. So it's, it's kind of down to the individual. You've got um, your very people focused uh, CTOs um, who are very hands off from a technical perspective. They're, 
they're more of an engineering manager so they're um, looking after scaling the business finding the best people delivering culture uh, and then you have kind of the other side of the coin which is very technically focused um, CTOs which are just looking after technical decisions technical strategy uh, leading that um, I'd say I, I, I've been a blend of the two um, Vidsi's had a nice nice uh, growth trajectory to allow me to kind of be on both sides um, but I'd say as as a business grows mostly people go more towards the kind of uh, people side of it and the strategy side so Kevin's been able to join us hi Kevin how's it going hey it's doing very well thoughts were held up a little bit I paying clients gosh you know they're everywhere <laughs> they are Kevin and most importantly I did hear once a wizard always shows up when it's exactly the right time to do stuff uh, Kevin, we've got Charlie, who's a chief technology officer, and we were just talking about what on earth is one of those. And if you go back to some of your leadership days in the past and some of the big companies you've worked for, did you ever imagine there'd be a day where there'd be a chief technology officer? Um, As opposed yeah. to the IT guy, right? Yeah, there was definitely the IT guy, but um, I actually had a role as a kind of global e-commerce director, and we had an IT director and honestly, the, the, the e-commerce was very much a kind of strategic, where's the market going? And uh, the IT director was very much into kind of what software shall we have? And shall we replace our IBM with you know whatever the latest stuff was? And, and to me, the kind of CTO is kind of, um, uh, uh, you, know, you know, takes both of those pictures and has a strategic view of where organizations go. And it's so necessary in such a rapidly changing market. And I would agree. And Eric, wasn't it refreshing to hear Charlie tell us just a minute ago that, you know, a key part of his role is culture and people. You know, yes. that, as we would say, that old Chester, right? Yeah, it's interesting that he brought that up because I can remember my last large corporation I worked for, we made a change while I was there and put someone into that CTO role that really didn't have the technology background and experience. It was really just to provide the leadership to that group because they were kind of lost and, you know, focused inward and not looking at the whole organization. So it was, it was a great transition to bring someone like Ed into that organization. Charlie, did you always know that you wanted to do this kind of job? Um, uh, I think, I had aspirations to 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 not just be a software engineer. So I went to university and did computer science and did the normal track, got a software engineering role out of university. But I always um, had an inclination of I wanted to do a little bit more. I enjoyed leading projects and leading teams. Um, and that kind of just led to jumping ship from the BBC to Bidsy to kind of give me the opportunity to have a bit more of a leadership position. Definitely didn't feel like a CTO role when we're four guys in a room. Um, it's taken a long time to feel feel like that leadership uh, role. And uh, I think as well, I've had some great mentors over the years as well in that position. So it's been great to see them and, and try and emulate them and be inspired from them. So um, a little bit of an RLC connection here then. So, um, you know, of course, unusually, um, the first person you met um, at RLC was uh, the gents that are with me today might think you got the lucky, the lucky cards. That uh, was Debbie, actually. Yeah. Um, what was it like working with Debbie? Um, 
with, from a coaching perspective? Uh, really eye-opening. Uh, I wasn't really sure what to expect. And I also joined the cohort quite late. So there were 12 of us at Vidzi, uh, mostly kind of middle management layer um, who did the course. And I was three or four weeks in, but I was hearing really good things from uh, from other people's in the bit, uh, people in the business. And yeah, instantly got on with Debbie. Amazing, just hour each week. Uh, learned a lot, got challenged a lot, which felt really good. Um, got told to explain myself and stop using such wishy-washy language at times. <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall, incredible experience. Really enjoyed it. And, and I guess before we, we, we explore fuel gauges together as a group, I, I mean, how do you currently, or how did you, before you came up here, how did you make sure you were fueled as a leader? Um, thinking kind of pre-COVID, um, I got a lot of energy from just being in the office and being around the team. Um, I think one thing Vidzi does very well and continues to do is the culture and the, whenever we have uh, a group of uh, people from Vidzi together, there's just, there's just this energy and no matter really what we're going through or managing a, a group of engineers or trying to deliver projects there was always that kind of refueling from being in the office um obviously post covid that's been really difficult transitioning to a whole new world and, and not having that energy source thankfully we're, we're going back into the office now we're trialing um a different way of working so more of a kind of optional um social the office is there to socialize and and for collaborative work and to meet new colleagues because we've grown so much during covid it's it's important i think to have that opportunity um so yeah it's nice to nice to have that again and and to refuel now uh, uh, gents we we've been looking at um the power of fuel gauges as a concept yesterday during the hike almost feels the right time to talk about it but the bit we often we often forget with or, or should i say we, or shouldn't ever, Kevin, I shouldn't include you in this. I sometimes forget to, to remind people, the reason why we talk about fuel gauges is to work out, A, how do I actually load up my mindset every day? And secondly, why that's important. And, and, and going back to when we originally looked at these fuel gauges, um, I was really curious as to what stopped people acting, you know, taking action. What is it that gets in the way? And the fuel gauges provided me the answer to that, where why someone won't move when they, they possibly could move. So let, let's work through these uh, material fuel gauges together. And let's let's share with our listeners as a bonus session with Charlie's help today. Um, maybe Charlie, you can tell us about it and, and I'll ask Eric and Kevin to, to share their views on the fuel gauge in question. Um, let's let's have a look at these these fuel gauges and what you thought when you heard about them. So we are going to be talking about three fuel gauges to our listeners of Consultimation. Remember, Consultimation is a podcast where friends of RLC and professionals around the world get together to have conversation. So first of all, what did you think of the fuel gauges when I introduced them to you, Darby? Uh, I don't, it, it was a clear idea. Um, I don't think I got the depth of it until we had the f the full kind of discussion as we went on the walk. Um, but it's, it's, it's an idea that 
is quite simply understood, but yeah, has more depth than than maybe uh, you see immediately. Um, and yeah, still, I mean, after two days of kind of ruminating on it, still trying to, still getting things from it and developing it as as the days go on. Right, let's go. Let's go to Kevin and Eric first. Then, so Kevin, why do you think fuel gauges of your mindset are vital in business today? Well, I, 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 I use fuel gauges a lot. Um, uh, because I think it's just a very um, uh, powerful concept. But I think the real key to fuel gauges is to understand that it lets you take a step backwards and kind of, you know, kind of and reflect on things rather than being involved in the kind of forefront of interference about the current problems, the dramas, the this, the that, that we're all kind of balancing um, on a daily basis going forward. Some of them, some of them serious, many of them insignificant, but have levels of seriousness that we give them. And fuel tanks, you know, the ability to reflect on how, how am I going to get my mindset to focus on physical, emotional and spiritualness of what I'm doing. Um, I think it's, a, it's that breathing space that you give yourself, your mindset and, uh, and your ability to lead. What do you think, Eric? That's really good, Kevin. Yeah, I know. How do I follow up after Kevin? Come on. <laughs> this guy's, you know, the wizard when it comes to thinking about things. But first of all, I want to say I love what Charlie said about during COVID and not having that energy from the office. I never really thought about that. So many people are out living at home, but they're still able to focus on the physical side, right? You get out and you're exercising, you're doing those kinds of things. But I think the emotional and the spiritual, yeah, you probably need some contact with people. Um, what I think about the fuel gauges and how I look at them is, you know, it's important to think about them on a daily basis to see and evaluate where you are, how you're feeling, because you can't affect them unless you know, where am I at? Um, I just got back from a yoga class today and my gauges are like up here right now because it feeds me, it, it gives me, yeah. first of all, there's obviously the physical part of it, but it gives me that opportunity to go inside myself and really focus on other things than what's out in the world. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's important to focus on those three. And to Kevin's point, how it ties to your mindset, because if those are low, your mindset's gonna be trash. You know, yeah. it's, it's not, you're not gonna be effective. And unless you start topping those off and, uh, you know, they don't all have to be up this level, but, you know, it's being aware of it is, I think, the most important thing. But you know what's great with your example, Eric, and one of the things that I use, I, I use an Uber ring, as many of you know, and right. uh, I, I came into this morning with a 60 something score on Uber. And if, if we didn't have a guest here, I would pay full attention to that readiness score. And I'd move into recovery and rest. Um, but nonetheless, that's not where we're at. But I know at some point I'll have to do that come Sunday, come Monday, to pay back into my physical fuel gauge, which is, of course, Charlie, we're we going first. Now, I believe, uh, from what you've told me, of course, that you're very good at the physical one. What kind <laughs> of little things do you do? Um, yeah, I, th I think I, I went there in, in that conversation because uh, for me, it's the maybe the most logical one and the maybe the most individual one, uh, yeah. and, and that's kind of where my brain goes. Um, plus, I, I think over one thing that we touched upon is, is a kind of the spiritual aspect is something that has is still quite new to me. The the, yeah. the 
Debbie spent a lot of time within the 12 week course looking at uh, inner values, self-talk, language, that type of thing. So I feel like I'm kind of a year into that, whereas from a physical perspective, I'm 30 odd years into it. Um, but yeah, for me, uh, I love climbing. Um, we don't get much of uh, the uh, outdoor climbing that you get in Colorado uh, in London, but I'm a bit of a gym rat when it comes to rock climbing and love doing long distance walks as well. So for me, yeah, I, I, I like that side of keeping myself fit. It's a real motivation to me. Plus, again, using different tools to understand how, how best I rest. Um, it's yeah a very scientific approach, whereas I don't think you can have that approach to, to the other two spheres. And, and an important question, uh, before I come to Kevin and Erin quickly, um, is if you scored yourself a physical field gauge out of 10, 10 being full, one being empty, what would you give yourself? I think I said eight this morning. Um, yeah. yeah um, I'm I, I, I'm still around that point. Even after the hike, the hike was was a was a decent hike. Um, but yeah, I, I would still say I'm a, a high eight for sure. And, and Kevin, we were rewarded today uh, as we went up one of the glens over this side of the of East uh, We we saw a stag and two deer, um, and they disappeared, and we thought nothing of it. And we saw those for quite a while, didn't we, Charlie? And then. Yeah. As we went up over the top, down, round, and then up even higher again, um, and I'm saying this very fast, it took a bit longer, um, we saw several stag. We saw the monster stag, and then we saw a herd of them running up the top of the glen and over the top of the mountain, and they were making a record. I don't know, 30, 40 of them, something like that, Charlie, yeah. all congregated out of sight. But we, there was this giant one who was, who was literally physically um, dominating and looking down at us, and I run only like 40 meters to get to the next little brae. By the time I got there, he was several hundred meters away. <laughs> like, holy crap! But anyway, that's a physical ability of another nature, ironic use of nature. Yeah, um, eight's a good score. Um, the, I think Eric and Kevin uh, that leaders miss out rest and recovery. What do you think? I know. Well, Personally, sorry, I, I thought the stag and two deer was a local pub. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, and I think, Eric, this will resonate with you. You know, if I look back on my corporate life um, and uh, Charlie, I started with Ford and Nissan in the UK. The concept of fuel gauges, we just never even, you know, didn't come up on the radar. Emotional, uh, spiritually, that no, no fuel gauge would ever be recognized with regard to that. The physical one was kind of playing squash at lunchtime and going to the pub after work. And the, and the emotional one had to had to be kept in check. And that was kind of the guidance we were given. And, uh, you know, that that becomes quite combustible. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, 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 and the beautiful thing about the fuel gauges concept is it levels things out. Uh, and it focuses on what you can achieve with the right mindset, I think. Um, but I am also struck by the fact that now, Charlie, you wouldn't know this, but I had a couple of back operations last uh, year. Um, I've got a bit of a dodgy knee. So my phys I, I feel as though my physical fuel gauge, fuel tank is, is often at quite a low ebb. And I have to do other things to try and compensate for that. Mm -hmm. you know, in a way, I have to top up the other two more quickly. 
but because you know I used to love going on you know hikes and dog walks and stuff like that and I feel pretty shitty limping around um, as I trying to recover from this stuff um, so it's it's another point I'm making is that it's not a one thing fits all um, thing um, but there are other things that get in the way of topping up some of your fuel tanks and that's important to consider. And now, just before you go, I just for the Apple uh, streaming service, if you were listening to Kevin there, I think you misinterpreted him. He said he's feeling pretty nifty. Uh, anyway, Eric, sorry. So I, I love the point that Kevin made about the corporate world because they really didn't support any of these concepts of fuel gauge. But I always, not knowing what the fuel gauges were, I live by a lot of those things that are in the fuel gauge. So that's what I love about them. It supports my kind of my values and what I, how I was raised and the things that I believe are important. Um, I am an emotional person and in the work corporate world, I showed those emotions. You know, I, I was um, a caring person. I always cared about the people that worked for me and always showed that. Um, so I think it's important. And, and I think in work today, I think it's changing. I'm seeing a change. And if you're not changing and if you're not focused on these three things, the fuel gauges for your people, you're not going to keep people. They're not going to want to work for you. That, that, that style of management just doesn't work anymore. So on the physical side, you know, I, I had a couple of injuries the last couple of years, um, a bicycling accident that uh, resulted in a broken collarbone. What I found is there's always a way to work on your physical. I don't care what kind of handicaps or things you have. And to Kevin's point, you just find other ways. Um, yeah. I've done a tremendous amount of walking. And um, a couple of weeks ago, you were telling about your deer story. So I don't know if you know what an elk is, but in Colorado, we have elk, which are twice to probably four times the size of a deer. Yeah. My son and I do an annual backpacking trip and we were up, oh, probably at 12,000 feet elevation above tree line. And all of a sudden this herd of female elk come prancing along and we're like, wow, isn't that beautiful? And then all of a sudden here comes this buck with this huge antler rack and he's just strutting his stuff and he's so proud of all these women that he has. But so I had my own experience recently. It was great. Thanks. Thanks, Eric. So for the next two fuel gauges, just in the interest of our show and our episode, Charlie, I want to talk to you about what you think of them, because when we put the physical together, that's one fuel tank. And I'm saying fuel tank there, of course. And, and that's only one third of your mindset potential, right? So with emotional, the one thing I want to talk about um, with emotional fuel gauge to our listeners is it's a credit and debit system to make it easy to understand. And most of us are really good at making withdrawals, right? Uh, whether it's endurance, struggle, uh, stress, anxiety, family problems, we tend to make withdrawals to cope with those. And most people I know forget to pay in. What do you think of this, Charlie? Yeah, that, when you were talking about this yesterday, it really resonated with me because I never, I never think of that um, in that way. Um, I, I very much agree. I think emotional intelligence as a leader is incredibly important, and the days of a, a kind of uh, very strict leadership and, and strong will is over. I just I think people don't accept it anymore. As you say, it's it's not something that people will stick around for. Um, so for yeah, for me, I think caring, having emotional intelligence, actually having a connection with your team is incredibly important. 
But the idea of uh, topping it up or even thinking of ways to top it up, it, it is, yeah, completely new to me. Um, it's, I never saw it, I never thought of it in that way. And, and if you look at the first little gauge, there's five parts and deducted by 10 if you want to be scientific or just go with the score that you feel is the right number. It doesn't matter which way you do it. If you look at this one, I almost feel as though the credit and debit is five and five, right? And you almost, to get 10, you've got to balance it a bit. And if you are lucky enough to pay in more than you've got, like putting petrol in your gas tank, um, ideally the right petrol in your car, of course, um, then you can balance this out and score better. Nonetheless, though, this is a tricky one. And it's not about whether you explode in the workplace. This is about your own emotional juice. Yeah. What are you doing with it? Because you do need it, right? Yeah. You need it in all kinds of situations. What would you score yourself, Charlie? Um, I can't remember what I said this morning. I, I still, uh, I think I said I, I was pretty high um, just because, I mean, being here, having a, a real reconnection with nature and being away from the stresses of work, uh, friends, family, city life. Um, so yeah, again, uh, a high, a high eight or a nine, there's very little um, stress at the moment. I don't feel like I'm paying out much. Um, I was talking to Debbie on the walk and journaling this morning. Uh, I tend to journal to, to get things out of my head so I can start the day with a clear head. Whereas this morning it was me figuring out things and me writing about plans and how to apply um, processes which is never the case in, in London. A journaling there is an exercise of, of trying to get some of that emotional uh, power back. It's a, good, it's a great example, isn't it, of, of yeah. creating an awareness that you might not have had before. Go on, Eric. Yeah, you know, what's interesting that I'm thinking about here is, you know, the physical, you could do in isolation, right? You could do it yourself. But when it comes to emotional, a lot of that is driven by interaction with other humans. Yeah. Right? It doesn't have to totally be that way. Like I had this emotional experience yesterday. I was driving back. I had some blood work done at, at my doctor's office. I'm driving back and I see the, the Rocky Mountain front range and I see the snow capped mountains. I just got this emotional feeling that I have to stop and take a picture of this and share this with my family. We have a WhatsApp group that I, I posted it on there. And, uh, you know, so it, it can be isolated by yourself, but I think it mostly it's about interaction with other people. So I think it's an important one. And you can also do it, you can also do it secretly. I remember driving through um, a Starbucks in Colorado, in Denver, Highlands Ranch area, and, and ordering my drink, being told that the person um, in front of me has already paid for it. Now, random acts of kindness, they're quite selfish. I don't know who that person was. And I bet they felt fantastic for doing that thing. Yeah. I, hope, I hope they do because I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. But it's, it's it can be private, and but it's it's proactively using skill or technique. And if you're leading a team today, uh, I'd like to let you know something. Going back to a comment from earlier, Charlie. Do you know the, when we when the bit you said about going around energizing around the office? I think leaders can be a bit lazy when they've got that luxury mm. and you can get away with not practicing skill and not intentionality and you yeah. can go off instinct and rapport and length of relationship right and what your brain has picked up whereas yeah, i think you can read the room in a completely different way reading the room on vc all day 
that's a whole different skill set. You, you have to be intentional to get that connection with your team. Whereas just being in the office every day with your team, you just pick up on things automatically. It's, it's not something that you have to work on. Totally. So let's jump into spiritual and uh, let's talk about some of the things in here. But whilst you're watching the screen, I want to let you know something Debbie and I were talking about uh, with Charlie yesterday. And it's so simple. Uh, it's not private. That's important, Charlie. It was the difference between self-belief and inner belief. And, and what we realise now, self-belief is often described by people together. Inner belief is a decision. How do you get on with inability? Well, yeah, as as I mentioned earlier, this is this is very new. I think that when Debbie was explaining this and when we touched on it yesterday, it's it, it it's something that I think I've thought about in the past, but not intentionally. And actually, oh, there's a there's a process to it. Um, so yeah, something that's still quite new to me. Something I'm doing that exercise of writing down my core values. Uh, in a very specific way, in a very uh, formulaic way with, with Debbie was quite transformative. And I love that. And I do think, um, and, and Eric and Kevin, what do you think? Is This is something that I, I think in the, excuse me, the humdrum of life or your career or your business, you can easily <coughs> neglect this one, can't you? Yeah. You know, Dave, I, when I think about spiritual, you know, obviously the first thing that comes into someone's mind is the religious aspect of it. But yeah. the work that we did last year or this earlier this year with Dollar Dream Club and the Master Key, I mean, that really when you start looking into inside yourself and, you know, opening up your mind to think differently, to me, that really helped my spiritual side and, and made me think more spiritually. That's a, great, that's a great message. And, and Charlie, what's nice about this is it, most of the world have versions of it. And I'm asking people to think about how good are you at being still? Mm. How good are you? And I'm going to ask you to answer. How good are you at being still? Point one. Point two, with empty thoughts. Right? So actually not thinking about anything. Go, go ahead. Well, what jumps out at me is mowing the lawn for you this morning. That was, that was a key part of his Wait, department. wait, wait, wait. He had you mow the lawn for him? But honestly, one of the highlights of the trip, sit on lawnmower, uh, mow, the, mow the whole lawn, and not only obviously a joy to, to be on a set on lawnmower, who doesn't enjoy that? So was uh, he exercising in the afternoon washing his car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it, it was a real, for me, it was just great. It was very chilled. It felt very still. It was lots of time to just think, a very simple task, but something to, to focus on. And uh, yeah, for me, yeah, it was uh, coming from busy life in London, exactly what I needed. Um, to answer your question around stillness, um, I, I, I like meditating. I, I, can, I definitely feel that click with it. But um, the habit of doing it often, I haven't developed for sure. So uh, a couple of things we got to talk about. Um, we like to run our shows for about 36 minutes. We might go a bit over the day, only slightly. Um, as we talk about the second thing, 
about this, which is working out why people don't act, why they don't do things. And when you put together the physical fuel gauge, your emotional fuel gauge, your spiritual fuel gauge, remember, they're only worth a third of the fuel gauge each of your overall mindset. So that means they're 33% if they're full, which means it's 99 in total, Charlie, isn't it? Right? Right? The word that's left the other side of the equal is the word called faith. Faith in the context, taking action, when you're not sure of what the result is, but you're going to back yourself, you're going to do it, you're going to find out. So uh, if we take your spiritual score, Charlie, uh, what was that? I think I said four, four this morning. So pretty low. Okay, so let's go with easy maths because maths, maths are, um, I've said Charlie's very fast at math. Um, so eight out of 10 uh, is roughly what percentage of 33? Eight times 3.3, what's that? 27, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm trying to do this. I think, so I scored eight, eight and four, which is 20. So 20 out of 30, so um, 66% overall, yeah. So for me, that faith gap is is a third when I'm trying to make a decision. Now, if you're listening, that's a massive observation, right? Because what we're saying is, if you fill your fuel gauges up to utopia, and no, that's not necessarily realistic, it is achievable in a single moment in time to 99, any faith decision you make is 1%. If you don't have them managed, focused on in your lens, you're not doing something with them, the gap between whatever they are and 99 is what you're adding to the faith spot. Mm. Uh, and, and I love that gap that you talked about, Charlie, because I, I know loads of people who are similar. They don't realize that they're making their decision bigger due to their lack of self-care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Kevin and Eric, what do you think? Well, well, there's one thing I wanted to pick up on that um, Charlie said, and that is, you know, you, if you recognise the, um, the the fuel tanks, but how do you go about doing it? Yeah. You know, what you know, what can you and 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 there are many things, um, but also the, the fuel tanks cross over. As an example, um, I was driving. I was in Yorkshire this morning, um, and I went to a community cafe for breakfast. And like, you know, breakfast was like five pounds for a full English breakfast, you know, seven, seven bucks, Eric. Um, and uh, uh, but but it was it was actually serving the community. Um, and there was, you know, there, there were there was disadvantaged adults on the table and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, and they were hugely friendly um, and they were uh, they were uh, responsive and the food was great and stuff like that. So, so we did the giving it forward bit. So, so the, the breakfast was five pounds. We left ten pounds as a giving it forward contribution to the next person, and also gave five pounds to the to the staff. Um, and 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 that's topping up your emotional fuel tank because because you you know you you you're doing something and you feel good about yourself. Yeah. But also there's that spiritual thing about you know I I am I am it's crossing over into getting rid of that inner doubt that you're a good person or whatever it might be yeah. we were just consciously topping up two fuel tanks at once yeah yeah and i thought I, I, I was thinking about i was thinking about fuel tanks when i when i was doing this not 
as a, a, a reason for doing it. I was thinking about afterwards of thinking, yeah, I felt good about doing that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I drove away with a smile on my face. That's, yeah. that's really that's a good example. And Charlie, uh, can you think of ways to improve your fuel gauges? I don't want to know what they are, but can, can, can you through the process of looking at them and think, I can do tangible things? Well, yeah, I, I write down um, here that mentioned earlier around there's no way of improving any one of them unless you're um, taking a step back and actually understanding where you currently are. So it forces you to have that reflection on uh, and having a better understanding of self. And then you can go about improving that thing, which will make decisions better. You can't just manifest, hey, I want better fuel gauges. So yeah, that that was key for me, really was. Mm -hmm. And Eric, what do you think about decreasing the faith step, as in still taking the faith step, but managing your mindset in such a way where you're making it easier? What yeah, do you think? I, I think what if your fuel gauges are high, you're making decisions, you're acting based on that mindset that you've created for yourself, as opposed to just sitting there and relying on things happening. Um, yeah, no, I, I believe in that. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. I, I think it is a process where you know you take a step back, as as Charlie, you say, you reflect on things, and what you're doing is getting rid of head trash in that process. Yeah. You're getting rid of inner doubt. You're solidifying the decisions you're making to be proper ones, and you're moving forward very positively in terms of both your mindset and in what you're doing. Now. Um just like if you go swimming in a lake on your own, it's probably not a good idea. Um, everything has an opposite. And I want to remind you that they work exactly the other way too. If you let them go down and you grow that faith step to being gigantic, you may find yourself being stuck, paralyzed, awkward, on a plateau, not knowing what to do. And also people around you, if you're leading a team, will go there as well, oh, making yeah. poor decisions, being more disconnected. So we are recommending, of course, that you do the opposite. You pay into them, you manage your fuel gauges, you understand what they can do for you, how they can work, and let's get faith in check so that we can act. Charlie, back to you. Um, tell me, what's one thing you'd like our listeners to remember about what you're about, you know, in any hat you wear? Is there anything you'd like anyone to remember? Like something, oh, I've learned this, and I try my best to always do it. Is there any tip you have that is, is something that you always do? Um, yeah, I think definitely through my time at Vidzi, uh, emotional, uh, emotional intelligence and um, and really caring about your team. Um, obviously, any business is, is different and you're in a very fast-paced environment. Um, that, as a startup but there's always opportunities to have that emotional connection with your team it makes it so much easier i think and that doesn't mean you have to be everyone's friends and and you're, you're one of the guys but just having that deeper connection with your team i think is is key that's a really great advice and uh, and kevin and uh, eric is there anything you'd like to ask uh, you know a modern day supersonic chief technology officer before we call it a wrap. <laughs> I'm just wondering what will end up in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, go ahead. Well, yeah, 
very i think it was very it was a month or so ago that debbie invited me up so um but yeah it's great to be here yeah. eric i mean the only question i have is what other tasks do they have you doing around the house today <laughs> is there painting uh... yeah tomorrow we're converting the barn <laughs> yeah there you go yeah I know, Charlie, it's been a breath of fresh air talking to you. Really Who would have thought the Chief Technology Officer would be as engaging and charismatic as you, my friend? <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much for having me. It's honestly been great to be here for the week, but also to be on the show. Lovely. And Eric, thank you for your time once again and supporting Conservation, sir. Yes, it was a pleasure. It was a good session. And uh, Kevin, thank you so much for fitting us into your elusive aura-driven schedule. <laughs> well, you know, I think this, this topic is all about mindset, but, but I would add to it that truthful mindset is the way you've got to go. Being, yeah. being true to yourself and get your mindset sorted out in the right direction. Thanks, Kevin. That is entirely true. And if you're watching this show today and you want more help, please do have the freedom to get in touch with us at info at rlc.scroble.com or even you want to stay connected to us with a deeper connection. Go to our website, as you'll see on screen, www.rlc-global.com, and join our community for free just by registering. But there's loads of free things uh, you can get, look at, and do. And as Charlie said today, let's go, let's finish the, and take the show out with a simple message: develop your emotional awareness, become in tune with yourself, notice how that affects others, and develop that care and connection with your team. And you can all work on your fuel gauges and at the same time, transform your leadership. This has been a bonus session of Consultivation. I've been Dave Evans. Every success with your learning. Thank you for listening to Consultivations brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.